Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. And I am your usual host, William Hayashi. Happy to be with you. Happy to be here. But we've talked about that over the last two weeks. Nobody wants to hear about that. Welcome to the September 2nd edition. This is right before Labor Day, which for a lot of people kind of presages the end of summer. Um, I don't know. You know, we've had we've had some squirrely weather where it's been like in the 70s and 80s in November, so you never know what you're going to get. But uh, tonight's special guest, his full name is Paul DeForest Sisney, but <laughs> uh, he prefers to be called DeForest, and he was very surprised that I knew how to pronounce his last name. Sure. Um, and and, and <laughs> so, so anyway, DeForest, welcome to the show. Uh, you know what I forgot to ask you before? Where are you coming to us from? Uh, I'm coming from Atlanta, Georgia. Really yeah, and what's, yeah. What's the, what's the weather like down there right now? Uh, gloomy. Like um, talking about the whole tropical storm and all that other stuff coming through. So, off and on rain. Like pretty much the way summer was about three years ago. That kind of weather we've been having down here. But, mm-hmm. Not complaining and, uh, too much. I mean, is, are you getting a lot of rain, or are you just getting the kind of the cloud effect, the high humidity, and all of that from the storms coming in? Oh. Uh, Humidity's all day, every day, but as far as, like, rain, like, just that, just that kind of rain just sneaks up on you. That whole summer rains phrase just been in full effect down here as anything else. Man. <laughs> Man. And, and did you grow up in that area, or are you a transplant? No, I'm, I'm, originally, I'm originally from Augusta, Georgia. Um, been living there since, what was it? Yeah, since, like, I was in, like, fourth grade or whatever it is, elementary school. And right. uh, we attended uh, Morehouse College in two. What was that? That was uh, 2003. Graduated there 2007, and just pretty much stayed for the most part. Like, just really wanted to be in a good metro area where, um, what is it? Just, just a pretty robust art community. Like, I could just learn, just try to network as much as I can. And mm-hmm. being in a capital city doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt either, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for those of you listening, Paul, uh, excuse me, DeForest is is mostly in the visual arts, but he's also an author. And uh, it looks like you do some video production, too. Um, I was looking at your website. There's, like, too much to look at. Um, for all, for, for anybody, anybody who wants to check it out, it's www.life-forever, obviously no spaces, .com. And there is a parcel of stuff on here. And, you know, uh, for those of you who are over 50, uh, grab your reading glasses because you're going to need them. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. tough, it's tough getting – I mean, you want to get everything on there. <laughs> you know, you want to you be able to present well. You want to be able to especially showcase the um, – kind of like the the whole span of the talents you have. So, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm you know, I only mention it as a teeny, 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 tiny joke because my eyes are old. I'm old, you know, so um, that was uh, that was something that struck me. But, I mean, let's let's start kind of like at the beginning. Okay, so you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're being raised up in Georgia. And um, what, I mean, what kind of school uh, school experience did you have? Were you... Did like some of the creativity that you're doing now that that you, that has permeated your soul now was that apparent you know in in your school years? 
Uh, I really started doing all these, all this uh, creative stuff as far as, um, I'm going to say as far as like sketching and writing some stories that was, um, yeah, late middle school. And I just, and as far as school went, like I originally went to uh, some private schools and, um, later on, like I started going to more public schools and everything like that. Right. And as far as, uh, as far as my creativity compared from now until then, like I was like back then, I was just a kid who um, watched Cartoon Network and especially the the Toonami Block. I think that's what a lot of people will just um, a lot of people like in my generation, I guess, will uh, just talk about what's their main major influence. Just the fact that all this anime and some uh, amazing cartoons, like the best ones, were coming from the '80s, were suddenly on this afternoon block. Just get home, and there it is. We're like, wow, people are actually making this, or mm-hmm, just the mm-hmm. fact that. Or just the fact that hey, this is this is completely different from watching Looney Tunes, which I, which is what I mostly grew up on. Like just watching people in the '40s making their full color animation, which still astounds me to this day. And um, yeah, just uh, seeing all just seeing all the stuff coming from Japan, like it's pretty much just the whole grassroots becoming from grassroots anime movement in America to pretty much mainstream just can't get enough of it i mean even dragon con is going on right now in atlanta this weekend um and just uh seeing all that and i was really and really the way i got started i was just a bored kid first day of school um i was in my uh, junior year of high school this was on yeah to celebrate the uh, 15th anniversary this was on uh, august 10th uh, 2001 i uh, just uh, started sketching a character I, I, and I honestly can't remember to the day if I if I actually uh, sketched a character first or wrote my story first. It was a uh, the first picture of my series of uh, Street Pedal Black. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just uh, I was just uh, sitting there in the my high school's mini auditorium just sketching away, and suddenly like I just stuck with this 15 years later. It's pretty insane when I really think about it. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of kids start drawing anyway. You know, when they're when they're younger, it's part of school and things like that. And then the, one of the most accessible kind of content to us as kids are comic books and cartoons. Mm-hmm. I mean, both are super accessible. And and when you talk about that block that was on in the afternoon, you know, the story behind that is is that they had such a bump in ratings that they knew how many people were looking at it, that that's what made it as creative as it was, and, and also how how long it stood. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's so long day, just <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean so all right, so you're you're in high school, you're getting started with this. Do you have any people around you who are also into into you know, that kind of content creation or were you pretty much singular? I was the shy, nerdy, geeky kid in school back then. <laughs> so kinda of okay. still kinda of now. But um yeah, I was just I was just the, yeah, I was also kind of like the loner type. I would just like sit and draw, and every now and then people would notice like, oh, you're drawing something, but it was nowhere near as good as the kind of stuff I'm doing now. Just right. pretty much uh, just using a normal pencil, computer paper, wherever I get my hands on, and just doing my best to try to um, emulate the styles of the artists I would see on TV or cartoons I would see on TV, you know? But... um but yeah, I was just pretty much yeah, I was just pretty much the nerdy kid. I just um, draw whatever was on my mind. I tried to do the whole daily drawing per day thing, and and I realized, and one thing I learned about that is just the fact that I wouldn't get better just doing just drawing every day. 
because I always say you need to, especially these days, I always say you need to learn every day more than anything else. Right. So I didn't really, I, I was never really had a group of peers or anything like that with artwork or anything like that. Like I got, I, like just thinking back, like uh, since we're going down memory lane, like I don't, I can probably think of just maybe like one or two other people who um, did any type of drawing or anything in high school out, or at any school, like uh, outside of art class or wherever that is. And mm-hmm. and that was actually even before, and that was like before, like I started doing my stuff. So it was really just me just being as autodidactic as, as possible and just um just trying to I guess yeah it was just a hobby just trying to see like okay how far can I really go with this before I get bored or move on to the next thing or anything else you know but it's stuck to this day. <laughs> yeah, and and um did you you know when you saw yourself kind of getting into it or at least wondering where it's going to take you. Did you take any formal classes, any formal art classes, you know, at that age? I did not. Uh, the I think really, let me see, really the only, I'll be honest, like the, really the only um, kind of quote-unquote formal education I've ever got with drawing was um, I'd say about maybe three or, yeah, about three or four years after, I think, yeah, this is definitely in high school. And I took mm-hmm. a pretty much a week long course under um, a Augusta artist. His name is um, Xavier Jones. I, I actually got the chance to uh, run into him when I visited uh, home like a few weeks ago. Just a complete coincidence. Um, yeah, and pretty much at that point, I was just pretty much asking him like the best way to shade because I was just doing like flat 2D line art. And I was thinking like maybe the next step at this point is try to shade with a pencil. And, right. Um, and pretty much from there, like, um, I would just really just sit and just keep doing things over and over or just and I'll I'll even admit this like I would um, sometimes print out different um, cartoon characters like trace some line art but never never post it on my own or anything like that I would never show anybody else this I would uh, draw some some uh, famous cartoon characters screenshots that I saw on TV and like even back then, like I would like just take the computer that I was actually lucky I had a computer that could actually take in the TV feed, and I could just take screenshots of certain things I liked. And what I would do is I would trace like just the character model, and maybe just like do some do some different edits, put my own spin on it. Like like I said, mm-hmm. I would never like show things, but all that artwork's been <laughs> all that artwork's been destroyed like a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, you didn't um, have to destroy it. I mean, you could have done that nice table. Uh, coffee table book, you know, uh, the life and times of uh, of divorce, and you, you know. Yeah, I got. I, I, I definitely have like all my old uh, street pal black stuff. As far as all that, um, anything I've anything I've traced has definitely like gone away. But yeah, um, just yeah. just try to just kind of put myself in the artist's shoes, I guess back then. And um, what was it like? Just trying to make those little edits, like try to see, okay, what am I doing with different? Where are they doing right here? And and. And just like in retrospect, that was actually a big mistake as far as like me trying to learn a certain technique. Because my main uh, forte is um, drawing human characters. Right. And uh, the fact is that in, I always try to try to do what everybody else tries to do and just try to draw the line art first, like the quote unquote final line art. When what I really should be doing is like drawing a major structure, drawing a um, stick figure, you know, like a very advanced looking action stick figure or something like that, and then just building on bit by bit by bit on that and you know just try to learn that way and that's and and one major thing that really got me as far as um trying to learn was the fact i actually taught at a um church i believe this is about um 
yeah, I started this about eight years ago and taught for about four or five years. I taught children's church and just taught them different art techniques. And I want to try different ways so I can actually simplify uh, certain things. And make it more accessible for the kids? Mm-hmm. And that was really okay. where I picked up. And one technique that I still use to this day was just really, like, making those stick figures and um, just really just basically using much smaller paper and um, – what else? What else? Um, yeah, just like trying to expand as far as like what kind of tools can you guys use that are actually better than just your regular number two pencil. So really trying to pass on knowledge, like maybe gain more. I guess that's the best way I can say it. Well, not only that, but, you know, the other thing about doing that is when you do that, you're also building your own audience. You know, you're building your own audience and your own um, the people who are going to be checking out, you, you know, the content that you create. And that's that's mm-hmm. always good to do that. Outreach. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, while you're doing all of that, I mean, you know, when when you think about the fact that you you were looking at how other people did things and then trying to figure out how you could um, make it your own or or do it better, things like that, it sounds very very much like you are pretty much self-taught. Is that mm-hmm. kind of fair to say? It is. Um, I I um I did try. I did a. Do a, a very short stint at uh, Savannah College Art and Design. This was uh, about three or four years ago. Actually, I think it back about five years ago. And um, actually, just I learned, I picked up just a few things as far as like using different materials like charcoal and stuff like that. But they didn't exactly, um, as far as like I was, if I was uh, full time working and just really thinking like, okay, what do I really want to do? And the the program wasn't matching up with what I really wanted to do at the time. Right. So, like, so yeah, just uh, left that alone and decided to just start learning more on my own, and that's really that's how I really discovered things. Like, as far as just like the autodidactism, like that's really my main thing, really. Just as far as um, as far as learning new techniques, I I, I spend a lot of time on Lynda dot com or anything else, just like learning all these different um software, uh, Adobe Creative software and stuff like that. So right, that's yeah. the main thing. Um. You know, I had a great question. It should come back. That just left me. Um, anyhow, now when as as your as your <laughs> no, it was a great question, but I forget. You know, I'm like I said, I'm very very old, uh, but it will come back. You know, when when I think in terms of somebody being self-taught, um, one of the things that you know that I'm curious about. Well, you, you kind of explained your right your uh, drawing technique, but you said that at the same time you were thinking about storylines that could go along with your characters and things like that. Um, where, tell us a little bit about, you know, how that imagination came through. Was it looking at other things that are done, you know, the cartoons and things like that, and, and were they derivative of other things, or, or were you at the point early on where you were looking to do, you know, uh, your own, you know, creative things that were, were not copies, that were completely original? I guess I guess to answer that I can use a well Street Pub Black is probably the best example. Um, like I played a lot, yeah, I played a lot of video games like back during that era. This is like I said, it was all drawing and writing. It was all just a hobby back then. Like I never, I never had any intention to sell or um, yeah, not, not even really, not even really much intention to share either. Just uh, it was just something that I just did. I just sat and. Like like on Friday nights and Saturday nights, like I wouldn't be out in the out like 
partying or anything like that. I'll just be in front of my computer just creating something, you know? Um, but as far as um, imagination, um, yeah, it's just a lot of video games and just looking at certain storylines that were in them. And one of my biggest influences for that was a game called uh, Jet Set Radio. Um, uh-huh. It's called Jet Grind Radio in America, I believe. Um, and just really looking at all these uh, guys skating around the city and pretty much the way they fought was uh, by tagging graffiti. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So, like, what is that? I kind of want to kind of Let's see. The best way I want to say is uh, want to want to. I just really like that urban setting. It's just a uh, cell shading that was in that game, and that just like really stood out to me. I'm like, wow, I'm looking at some moving art right here. So right. I really wanted to gear a lot of my um, gear a lot of my characters' designs toward that. And I originally, and like I said, um, like I can't remember like so long ago as far as um, if I drew my character first or if I wrote uh, the first story, Street Fighter Black first. I just know, like a few months later, I eventually had um, what was what became episode two. It was really just going to be a standalone story till I just got more and more ideas. And the way I and the way I start with those ideas, and I was actually happy to like I was actually cleaning out my office um, last week and I actually found some old from some very old stuff and realized like, oh yeah, this is how I came up with this. I kind of found like what I would call the original Street Pell Black Bible. It was just a mini notebook which had right. just a whole bunch of bullet points. And that's pretty much that's pretty much um, how I started anything. Like, I'll just start with the whole blueprint, just outline individual events. And it, and when I eventually rewrote the story in 2013, like, I just, that just went to overdrive as far as um, making sure, like, okay, I want this event to go here. And just utilizing all this brain power to try to make sure the story still makes sense and everything else. And I was, and like I said, like my early, earlier influences were video games, and I kind of just took, I kind of wrote like four full Street Fighter Black stories. Um, two of them are still on release, and uh, considering how I write then and now, like they need to be completely revamped. Um, and just really, as far as uh, my influences from then and now, um, it's like there's a lot. If you uh, look at uh, Street Fighter Black episode two now, you'll see a lot of. Um, some social commentary and um, just some really hit some some really subtle social commentary and as far as um what is it some parallels to what's been happening as far as like how people react to violence and how people react to um what is it poverty and stuff like that sure. um and just as far as like elitism and uh, different things like that so I would say just that's really just uh my change of like how I'm thinking as far yeah. as um. What is it? Yeah, it's as far as like what do I really think is important right now? Back then it was uh, yeah, back then it was like Sega Dreamcast and Nintendo. Now it's um, Photoshop and just really think about man, where are we going with everything well, that's and, happening and right now? With, yeah, when you talk about, I mean, you know, your inspiration and kind of where where your story ideas come from, you know, that it's not unusual for for black creatives. I mean, even myself. Uh, to to look at social justice because it's something that mm-hmm. we live with that we live breathe you know you you can't not live with it um and and especially if you're not careful if you try to ignore it you know bad things can happen to good people so i mean mm-hmm. when 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 you translate what it is that you see out on the street into your stories um is the social justice aspect, you know, and also maybe even black-white issues or black-white, 
conflict. Is, is that kind of a running theme in in the kinds of things that you do, and and not you know not like you're beating a dead horse or anything like that, but because the that there is so much fodder out there that it makes it kind of easy to craft really good stories. Oh, that's well. I I was I'll use um, um my rewrite of 2013 strip Hell Black as an example. Um, what I really wanted to do as far originally what I wanted to do was just create a story where it's just good guys versus this big evil regime essentially. And when I when I decided to rewrite, I decided <clears throat> just to do my best to present a doomsday scenario where uh-huh. the people where people in power got too powerful. And people being oppressed got too got too oppressed, and what would happen if just kind of one just decided to rise up and just keep rebelling, just try to keep going? And when you re- and for those who want to read the book who have read the book, they, they can tell that Street Pop Black doesn't want to be a hero at all. Like mm-hmm. he, it's the fact that he does what he does because one, he wants a good life, and two, he's kind of the only person who can do it. Um, he manages to find he, like his friends. Like he manages to have um, a few close people who he uh, works with, but even they're just reluctant. Like there are multiple times we'll see where they want to try to give up or just try to find some other way to just try to survive. But it's just the fact that um, let me see. The main thing I want to present is just like how they're actually doing their best just to get by, or how the best how, how they can do their best to just keep fighting back. Um, <clears throat> as far as um, just different as far as like uh, issues that they're presented, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of it's it's been a while since I've like just gone back and just really took a look at <laughs> just really took a look at that story. Um, sure. <sighs> yeah, just one. Yeah, that's just the main thing as far as um, because if if <clears throat> you really look at the book, like you just really see like this uh, regime and it's and the the like yeah, pretty much the bad guys. You're just called like government that's what they call themselves now it's not like a now it's not like a reference to any particular government or anything like that it's just this one regime that that believes themselves to be so powerful that they're just going to go by just that proper name and they pretty much just use the um street public city which is called mel stereo they just use that as a um pretty much a testing ground just to get new soldiers or to uh just use for experiments they're they're pretty much it's a whole story about whole bunch of rats in a cage just being experimented <laughs> okay. on. Like, I hate to rather, use that metaphor, but that's but that's pretty much well, how they would see, you know? Well, it's rather dis, it's a rather dystopian society, and then this is, uh, you know, people often do social experiments under those kind of conditions. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, look what they did to black soldiers during World War II, you know, infecting oh, yeah. them with various things, you know? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and when you know when when I look at your the series, how you know are are you looking to move this into? I mean, are it, are you thinking about kind of going the transmedia route where you will be doing either motion picture comics or video or something like that? Um, what what are you looking at as kind of like not the end point like oh I'm going to stop, but but maybe where you want step. to trans, yeah, the next step, and 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 what transformations you're going to look for in the future. Uh, our media project right now um, is called uh, the Blue Ink Project, and that was set up to um, create 20 to 25 minute short animation. Um, 
And uh, that was and our goal for that was to try to have it out by the end of this year, but um, like unfortunately, like a whole bunch of delays, a bunch of different projects came up, so we're delaying. We're doing our best to have that out by late next year. And what the Blue Wing mm-hmm. project is is um, pretty much our effort to yeah create the animation. If there if we receive any type of funding to um, help assist, but no matter what, we're putting this animation out. Um, it takes place between episodes two and three, and it explain it, it. It does. It serves a few purposes. It explains where one another major villain, where what happened, what was their fate, and um, what else? I'm trying to go. What else? It's really based off a um, picture that I drew. Actually, yeah, a picture I, I drew to actually get into SCAD at the time. That's a fun, that's a crazy irony about this. And it's just really <laughs> okay. uh, our, It's really just me, uh, my wife, and everybody who's on uh who's on my radio on the, my podcast the graphic it's just our way to try to transform um this long standing fifteen year story into just something that's just yeah just really just uh have some animation have artwork that's moving just living breathing and mm-hmm. it's just really our attempt to just get to that next step because one thing I try to do as far as um like you were talking about my website being loaded and the funny thing is I've actually trimmed down like over the years. That's the amazing thing about it. Um, like I just try to do all these different things because I just, I just really want to just learn how. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Just to learn. It's like I do all these different things that I want to learn how. It's just really, like I wasn't like this. Like growing up, like I said, I was a nerdy kid, but I wasn't too too interested in learning. I never read any of the stories that any of that Shakespeare stuff. But um, um, <laughs> what I really wanted to do is just, um, just keep learning all this new software. Like the software is much more easily accessible now. Like we have sure. like a whole, we can have like a whole setup to, um, <clears throat> I can learn my digital artwork, uh, make my digital artwork, and now I can record my art process and all this other stuff. So like the technology is there, we just gotta really uh, learn how to use it, and just the way we can implement it now is just incredible. So that's really been the next step. Like, and my show, Life Ever as a Graphic, has kind of been a sign of that transition. Like, um. Originally, the website just had um, artwork and literature, and every now and then I put like a quote or just something else up on there. But the fact is that there wasn't like a lot of weekly content or just some constant content I was making. And also, like I would still say, like some of the early times, like as far as um, the website launched about ten years ago, and I would just like update it just every now and then with just whatever artwork I would just happen to do. Because uh, mm-hmm. it was it was still a hobby at that point, um, and I just wanted to have like just some more consistent content coming up. And I'm like, well, we have YouTube. Let me. Is there something I can do for that? I'm like, oh, maybe I can do my art <laughs> process and right, right. Um, just get and just break into video at this point. And now, just as all the things I've been learning about Adobe After Effects, um, <clears throat> now I think and now I think it's just the best time to just try to expand more on that. And now we're going to do our best to create this uh, full-fledged animation, um, Life Forever's first animation. Well, I, th- I think that most, I, if you're a good creative and you really like what you're doing, you know, you're you're going to strive to keep doing more and more and more. You're going to l- want to learn more. You want to get better. You want, you know, a- as a writer, I want to write better. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as as a radio personality, I'm about as good as I'm going to get. So, you know, I'm tapped <laughs> out here. <laughs> so, but but seriously, I mean, 
any any of the visual arts, you know, can translate into a number of different a number of different actual actual genres. You know, whether it's a motion comic, whether it's a 2D animation, 3D animation, live action, what have you. So, I mean, I, mm-hmm. it seems like a natural evolution for you. Uh, as far as uh, what you said about the tools, you're you're right. The the with the creative tools we have today, both for writing or for uh, for video or animation or what have you, it what they have done is they have made truly good art, if if you have it in you, more accessible. You know, it has lowered mm-hmm. the bar to creating good things, and obviously keeping track of the better tools learning them, exploiting them is something that, that will probably do you well if you're a visual artist. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, you mentioned your wife. Uh, who do you have as your kind of like your support team behind you? Uh, um, you know, obviously um, your, your creativity drives the, drives the ball, but what, what about uh, what, what, what's your team like? Uh, my team consists of my wife Amanda. She's uh, the director on um, the graphic, and she's also our director of marketing. Uh-huh. Um, she's and she oh she I also like to say that she has the title of telling me what to do to, or to be successful, and she just rolled her eyes at me. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Let's back up the truck. <laughs> do you do you listen to her? Of course. Like what was it? I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the last thing that. She, that she told me to do was something this week. Do you, do you remember what it was? Oh man, there was something. Um, oh, oh man, I wish I could remember it. Uh, if as soon as right. I think about, as soon as I think about, it, I'll say it. But I also have, um, yeah. Let me, I can, I can, let me just let me just uh, go through the cast of um, the graphic right now. Um, well, one of my best friends, uh, Bobby. He he goes by the name Heavy Hands. He's a color commentator on the show. And right. and that, and he's been and he's been my uh, friend, my morals brother, and who I consider one of my real brothers uh, for the past uh, what has it been ten ten no about thirteen years that we know each other. And uh, the second and we were both like listening to the same podcast and anime and other different stuff. And um, when it came time where I started to get the idea of hey let's do our own podcast and let's put it on YouTube let's do this constant thing. He was like oh I'm in. And mm-hmm. just been and just uh and it's just been this like a uh, great partnership as far as um what is it the comedy aspect and everything like that. Um, I also have um two other cast members. Uh, one's name is Henry. He goes by the alias Zeus Five. Um, what is it? He he provides a lot of social commentary, which has been and like you go to certain uh some of our more serious episodes. Um. I believe one's uh, episode seven called um, "Was It Screaming?" It's, oh man, I wish I could wish I could pull this up right now. Actually, let me let me do a better example. Um, episode fourteen that's called "Hate," where um, we just really talked about some of the uh, one of our more serious shows where we talked about some of the recent tragedies at that time, and just the mm-hmm. fact that like, and just talking about uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, some of the shootings like the uh, Charleston shooting was the main one that prompted that, where. Um, we was just really good in Devin. He's and he's extremely passionate about that. So I've really relied on him for that. And we also have um, my friend Chase. And these most all these guys are uh, more outspokers than mine. Uh, he goes he goes by the alias Proper. Um, and shout out to him. He recently got married back in April. Um, and uh, just really, um, that's pretty much been our support. That's pretty much the 
the Life Forever family right there. And he, he's also um, very talented as far as uh, music and audio. Um, I don't think he's uh, made – it's been a while since he's made uh, some new music, but he's, he's, he's he was kind of the original person who uh, taught me a lot of this – a lot of techniques of audio as far as um, using Audacity. And mm-hmm. uh, he has some amazing stuff. Like, I wish I had his uh, link right now to show it to you guys. But, yeah, I apologize for that. But, yeah, the five of us are the main core that makes up life forever. And just really working with the graphic and creating this um, creating this podcast, which we're about to get back into production uh, uh, this weekend, mm-hmm. has just been just, – just really transformed life forever from this one-man hobby that I was doing to this full-fledged – movement as far as the five of us are concerned well it's like an enterprise you know it's a, you've got you've got you've got partners you've got you know you've got overlapping and yet different um skill sets and and it sounds like at least a uh a manageable team a team that would be effective in creating the kinds of things that you look like you want to do in the future mm-hmm like um like the graphic or like as far as the graphics goes like i couldn't ask for a better group of people just to just support not only just not only to support the show but to support me personally and professionally mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, so. it, and it is always it's always great when you manage to uh marry way over the end of your skis because you know <laughs> when, when you get that lucky and i'm not I'm, I'm not kidding you know i uh i was fortunate enough to, to go through that too but when when you get that lucky it's good to have that kind of close-in support because Essentially, being a creative, being a content creator like you are, is is entrepreneurial, and mm-hmm. and because of the entrepreneurial aspect, having that support is very important. Um, I I remember one time it sticks out in my mind. Uh, I was living with somebody, and I was I I you know I've been in the IT industry since 1970, and I was mm-hmm. doing something on the computer, probably doing some programming for somebody, and she looked in from the kitchen and she said, Hey, when are you going to be done playing on the computer? And so, oh. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> but, but you see what I mean? I mean, even, even kind of a, having the right kind of support makes all the difference in the world because it makes it easier for you to concentrate on your job and not have to worry about angst, you know, and not have to worry about things that completely take you out of your creativity. Um, when now, are you doing this full time, or do you have to support? Are you supporting yourself doing some other kind of work as well? Like I do IT stuff now because my my writing is not, you know, supporting me in in the manner in yeah, which fine. I would like it to. Yeah. By enough, by enough, I work full time in IT as well. <laughs> like I've been I've been a help desk technician for about uh, what is it? I think I'm, yeah, just about three years now. And Dude, um, there's so many yeah, of that's us. My main, yeah, that's my main full-time thing. And pretty much when I get home, like, I make sure to be a family man the best I can. Uh-huh. Like, my, like, my wife uh, usually goes to bed a little bit earlier. Well, a lot earlier than me. Who am I saying? Um, and then I would just, like, I would just uh, make sure to hop on uh, Photoshop or wherever it is just for a little bit because I've got to make sure I wake up with her at 5 in the morning. Mm-hmm, even though I have to mm-hmm. go to work at 8.30. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, that's the uh, full-time thing. And just really my passion is just to <clears> just keep working, just improving my skills. And then the main thing I really need, I just, I guess my biggest challenge is just uh, making sure I have all the business acumen just to really make this full-time, you know? 
because right. like I'll wake, cause I'll wake up at times and just be like, oh, man, I got to go to this again. I got to go do this again. And man, I was like that this else. morning. I, oh, I was sitting really? there going, man, I just really want to just, I don't, I don't necessarily want to do anything, but maybe go back to bed, maybe watch a movie. But I sure mm-hmm. in the hell don't want to get dressed and leave the house. Hey, I got a question for you because I, I've never really gotten the answer from, you know, from myself. But why do you think so many of us content creators are in the IT field? I'd say for me, like, um, I'd say for me, like, it's just like Photoshop was uh, one of my major, I guess, yeah, just trying to get a copy of Photoshop was a major goal back in high school. This was, um, yeah, it was uh, 2001, 2002, and I was just right. trying to find, like, a copy of, like, Photoshop 7 back then. And, of course, the guy had to bootleg some stuff, but... Um, like I'm, past, yeah. I'm way past that. I'm way past that part now. All legit here. Um, I guess uh, what is it? Yeah, just really seeing what Photoshop could do as far as um, instead of buying all these expensive paints and um, like all Doing these canvases hand. and all this, all this other stuff by hand, and just seeing like, oh, Photoshop can do all this different stuff for you. It can't do everything for you. Like, yeah. don't believe the whole stereotype. There's no digital art button anywhere in there. Like right. I, like I like I actually recently um, became certified uh, Adobe certified expert in Photoshop uh, earlier uh, this February, and just uh, man I could just tell you horror stories about that test I had to take it three times, so digital <laughs> okay. art is difficult for all those people listening like oh it's just digital nah it's it's as tough or maybe even tougher than traditional at times, but sure. yeah that was the main thing in high school just trying to get a copy of that and learning um what's the best way i can say yeah just uh yeah just like going from there like you it's like wow there's software you can use to create art and then like we're just kind of getting this whole boom with the with the internet as far as um <clears throat> yeah we can just get this networking kind of, collaborating just, advertising mm-hmm. all of that yeah yeah well yeah it's like it's now, becoming much more accessible to make art cartoons or anything else so like this sure. it thing is just got to learn as much as you can about the technology and just keep up with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, That's uh, my main thing, I use, at least. I use it for a number of things. You know, obviously I use it for my job, but um, networking is really important because, you know, you can, like right now I'm sitting here in a pair of gym shorts and a T-shirt and I'm doing a radio show <laughs> with somebody in Atlanta and I got somebody in Tennessee, you know, running the board, you know, and, right. and to be able to just that sort of thing. Or, or you know, I used to go to a Google Hangout every week with a bunch of other content creators and writers. And, and having, you know, you don't have to find a writer's group in your city. You know, I didn't have to wander around Chicago and try to find, uh, you know, people who were of, the, of like-minded, you know, like-minded people. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously the IT aspects in terms of collaboration and creativity do lend themselves lend themselves well to us it but it's funny you came to art from or you came to it from art i came to writing and all the creative things that i do from it so it's uh you know it's kind of like an incestuous relationship and i and a lot of the people who i have um uh who i have met and who I have interviewed for this show, a lot of those creatives are also IT um IT people as well. Uh somebody in the chat room is uh is uh 
wants to get a little more into, you know, how you put your characters together, how you craft your story. Are you one of those who creates the background environment first and then and then populates it with characters, or do you start with cool characters and then build the story and and the environment around them? Um, let's see. That could be two. Let's see, that could be two different approaches, really. Um, as far as like, creating stuff for Street Pal Black, like I just got to lift stuff from the story, basically. But um, I think I think talking about independence, all my um, other like just independent like characters and stuff like that, like stuff I just don't have like a story for, I can talk, I can go deeper into that. Um, right. Let's see, as far as uh, character development, um, a lot of characters that I've come up with, um, this is just really just about just come from like different moods or just um, different things I imagine when I hear music. And I'll use, um, I use uh, one picture that's on my website right now as an example. It's called star. Um, let's see if anybody's uh, following along on um, their computer, they can go to the artwork page on life-river.com and you'll see a thumbnail, mostly blue thumbnail with a microphone being held to a woman's mouth. That one is called star. And okay. I, can't, I actually just came up with that. I actually just came up with that um, piece just from listening to a song called "Empire Ants" by Gorillaz. Um, there's a kind of a crescendo, like halfway through the song, where I just imagine—I just really just imagine this woman like just coming out from a stage, just like light behind her, and it was just an image I just had to get out of my mind, just onto canvas, essentially. Um, just a little inspiration, <clears throat> just a little inspiration like that. And um, let me see. As far as uh, character development, I'll just I'll use Street Pal Black as I'll go back to what, what I use for a Street Pal Black. I'll just imagine a scene, but I guess I'm not gonna say it's a weakness, but it's something I really need to work on more. As far as um, if they're talking about backgrounds, as far as actual drawing backgrounds, like I kind of shy away from that at times. I just really right. want to capture like the essence of what a character's doing. As far as um, let me see, I'll just use um. Yeah, I'll use a, a more recent artwork um, uh, called a Battle, Battle for Male Stereo. That's actually the very first one on my artwork page. It pretty much shows three pale black with lightning surrounding him. And um, he has he's up on a hill with the burning seascape behind him. And mm-hmm. that was actually a major, major undertaking. Like um, like I said, like I just really need to work more on backgrounds. But um, just really just uh, sitting there, just trying to like have show this character who's in pain, who's fighting. It's kind of, he's kind of in the middle of a stalemate at the moment, but he's losing his city. But as far as this fight goes, like he's kind of just taking a breather, but also getting ready to, to try to throw his next punch, you know? Yeah. So um, just uh, really going through the, through that process. And that's actually a, a scene that's in the uh, street Pell black episode too. Um, I just really, I, I just really wanted to show like that was a major battle that um, has been or has been with me for 15 years. So I really wanted right. to just present that, and so <laughs> it's definitely a master. I consider it a masterpiece. Like it's it's one of the longest ones. I actually just went through the getting the art process ready um, last week for future episodes of the graphic, and that's going to be split out among quite a few episodes. So it's just really show what I had to do for that. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. So it sounds to me like. You know, you do have a story arc in mind with your characters. <clears throat> Excuse me, but 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 the immediacy of your creativity is is visual. You you visualize a scene, you visualize a, a, a action or something like that, and then and then 
build the story around that or the narrative around that? Is that how you go about it? Um, because I'm always curious about people. There are people who say, well, I just think of a, uh, an interesting character and then I see what they do in a story, which, of course, drives me nuts because I can't, I, I can't create that way. And so I have a, a healthy respect for people who do it a different way. But it, it sounds to me like you're, everything for you is in the visual. You know, you, you already know what things should look like, how people should be behaving and acting and, and moving and things like that. Um, is, is that how you, you, how it all comes together for you? Uh, the main thing is just really a lot of world building more than anything else, and that's always the biggest challenge as far as uh, creating a coherent story, I would say, more than anything else. Um, as like as far as uh, my characters go, like they're like you said, they're in this they're in the dystopian world, right. pretty much like rats in a cage. So I have to think like, okay, how do they just the, just the little things you really got to consider, like how do they eat, where do they um, get water from, like where can what do they do? Just like they're not they're obviously not going to work like nine to five jobs. So what are they doing all day? Are they fighting? Right. Like how are they surviving? It's just whole bunch whole bunch just. Really, just ask myself this a whole bunch of questions more than anything else. Um, I think as far as uh, just creating the narrative, I'm, it's that's it, my whole technique is just really thinking of just thinking of like this maybe just a few interesting scenes like uh, maybe a fight scene or just maybe even the scene where just two characters are arguing and just uh, going from that like. And why I would ask myself is how does this story begin and how does the story end. Like right. if I could just nail those two things in the mills, just pretty much a cakewalk at that point. Like so, mm-hmm. a, a huge, a huge world-building cakewalk. But still, um, just uh, just the um, all that brainstorming. Yeah, just yeah, just really all it is just like a whole bunch of brainstorming as far as uh, getting these characters doing what they do in their daily lives, and then what. And the, another big question I ask myself as far as uh, writing the story is like. These characters allegedly have have lived before the story started, and they'll continue to live after the story ends. Right. What makes yeah, that's, yeah the, ma- the major thing is like what makes this particular point in their lives that much that much interesting that I I had to write a story about that. That's mm-hmm. one of the major questions I ask myself whenever I'm writing anything. Yeah, for me, I I I figure out a great ending, and then I will write a story up to that ending. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, you know, my feeling is when when people finish a book or when they walk out of a movie, you know, anything like that, or or, or watch, you know, a TV show, w- what happens at the end is the thing that leaves the the biggest impression in them. So I want to be able to exploit that expectation and and exceed someone's, you know, exceed someone's expectation for how the story is going to go. Um, and and the thing that I I realized late. Um, I wrote a trilogy was that that thing that you just said that, you know, lives went on before the story started and lives will go on after the story is over, you know, unless you have some sort of dystopian Holocaust and everybody dies. So being able to uh, put, put together a story where you have a satisfying end point. And, you know, for me, I, I just noticed, uh, about a month ago, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I binge watched the original Twilight Zone, and I realized mm-hmm. that a lot of the endings to my short stories and and to my novels are 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 built are based on 
some ironic thing that happens that's not expected. So I guess all of I absorbed all of that as a, a very young person watching those shows when they first came out. Um, so it, it you do you do you actually craft stories very similar to me. You've got the beginning, you've got the ending, and then you you know you you put everything in the middle that makes it the compelling narrative that you want it to be. Um, what mm-hmm. kind of feedback have you gotten from people? You know, well, well, let's say, is the feedback different now than it was early on when people started seeing your work, or, or has it just has it evolved and gotten better? Um, tell me a little bit about what kind of feedback you got early on, and then, you know, what what are you looking at now? Um, like I said, like there was like uh, there was a bunch of artwork that I just ended up destroying because um, it was just all practice. Um, right. So early on, like early on, like I just really wouldn't show my artwork to a lot of people. Um, okay. And I was, and like I said, like in school, I was just a loner, all the other stuff. Right. Um, I'd say I really, I'm, I'd say like as far as my art, art career as it is now, like I really, it really kickstarted in uh, 2012. I just, uh, I decided to just sit down and just like really ask myself, like, um, and this is before, it's actually uh, before my IT job. Like I just had a job. Um, formatting legal transcripts and it was essentially just doing the same thing over and over. I think I just had to like format like maybe like nine or 10 per day process didn't okay. change and jobs didn't change. And, bear, uh, and, and of course everybody can relate in those kind of jobs. A lot of times you just sit there and think of just all the philosophical aspects of life. <laughs> so, um, oh, what was it? And and there was and pretty much in 2012, I just really just I wanted to sit down, and just really figure out like what I wanted to do with my career, as far as what direction am I really going to take? If I'm going to keep learning, even back then, like I was still very interested in computers, IT stuff like that, and uh, just really <clears throat> what's, what's the best way I can say? Yeah, I just really said like, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to really create art. If I could wake up at five six, if I have to wake up at five or six in the morning. What would I want to do? Where would I want to go? Like, I really want to do something with this talent that I have. I've just, I've just been sitting on. I could develop, I could have developed it like a long time ago. Like, I'm just really playing catch up at this point. Yeah. Um. So, I would say, like, as far as the feedback that I'm receiving, it's, it's really all just brand new. Like, I'll, I'll uh, put my work out for art shows. Um, like I was at uh, OnyxCon. What was it? Two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um. And I did a uh, Mike, uh, Michael Jackson Captain Neo piece because the 30th anniversary is this month, and just like seeing that kind of feedback, like it's all—it's all really, it's all really extremely new to me because I'm, that's what I'm, uh, like I said, I've, I've rewritten some of my stories uh, back in 2012. I was rewriting episode three of Street Pell Black because <clears throat> I originally made a, a paperback of episode two back in um, what was that, 2007. And um, it sold it sold fairly well. I still have like a bunch. I still have like one or two boxes left, unfortunately. But um, sold fairly well, and got some feedback. Like a lot of people were telling me, like, yeah, it's pretty good, man. But like, I just want and just really later on, like, I just want to just create content. Even now, where I just want to astound people, you know. And right. Honestly, I'm getting I'm getting that kind of feedback. What always what I always want to try to do is um especially now with the graphic and uh, all my social media sites I just need to advertise more I just want to really just get a yeah I just really want to really just start a community just so I can see like what direction sh- should I take or just 
what are some things I can improve on? Just like what what do people what do people like? Because I just I just like entertaining, you know. Sure. Um, sure. So, just any feedback, like I just always want it to be constructive more than anything else. That's just the main thing that I want that I just really like to receive. Yeah, I mean, do you? Uh, I, I was kind of paging around on your site. Do you have? Uh, I mean, you've got the, you know, getting to the, you know, subscribing to your site, things like that. Do people leave comments here? Uh, not on the. Uh, Nonlivechatroom.com. Uh, if if anyone would like to, uh, if anyone does uh, want to leave comments, like uh, my DeviantArt site is one of the best places to do it because um, I do my best to try to check a lot of stuff every day. But DeviantArt, like I'm trying to get more and more active with that. That's just where mm-hmm. my advertising has been um, most effective. So I've seen some very very positive comments there. Like um, if if you are are a member, I, I, I don't think you can comment if you're not a member. But I also um, Every now and then, I'll see a comment on uh, the Facebook on the Facebook page, right. and and uh, just recently gotten into Instagram just because of how versatile posting to all these different social media sites is with uh, using that app. And I've gotten some uh, positive, <clears throat> and I've gotten mostly positive um, feedback from there. <clears throat> like I have, actually, I don't think I've really seen like any like negative or trolling comments. I'm very fortunate about that because the internet can be a vicious place. I even uh, mm-hmm. write about that in um, a portfolio that I, that I uh, put out last year, Volume 1. Like, there's a whole section about that I like to call Baptism by Fire, where people will ignore your work or they'll just trash it because of jealousy or just being mean, you know? <laughs> so, as far, like I said, as long as, as long as any criticism is constructive, I'll, 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 I'll do my best to listen to everything that I hear, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, And, and you know what? We... I mean, it's a very rare person who who knows how to do everything perfectly, you know, right off the bat, halfway down the line, oh, you know, when they've been doing it for oh, 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So, you know, you've got, you know, you've got Street Pedal Black. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you have other series that? that you're going to be running in parallel or that you're going to be doing? Um, do you have other creative universes that you're going to be presenting to the public? Um, uh, how, how do you think, how do you think this is going to roll out for you? Are you, are you with street pedal black for a while because you've really got, you know, a pretty amazing arc to, to follow? Yeah, it's going to be street pedal black for a while. Uh, right now we're focusing on um, pre-production for the blue, for the blue ink project. Right. Um, so that's going to take up the majority of our time for the next year, year and a half. Um, and after that, I would like to write, well, rewrite. I have a, I have a, like, like a ten-year-old transcript for episode one. That um, and that, and that's and that's usually like the main question I get. Like every time I sell anything at a convention, um, I got I always have an episode two and episode three. Where I always ask, them, like, where's episode one? Well. <laughs> after blue, after the animation, I'm gonna go back and revisit that so I can complete that trilogy. And mm-hmm. at that point, at that point, like I'm either gonna focus on writing, um, like I'm gonna, like I, like one of my master plans is to write um three separate trilogies for for uh, the three public universe. That's just something I've had in my mind for years now. But as far as um balancing, um. Yeah, balancing writing the story, balancing learning different illustration techniques, balancing moving in the video, then 
just really expand on their universe and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and like also and like I, I list all that stuff. Also keeping a full time career and also being a family man. Like I got married last year. <laughs> just uh, keeping all that. Just try. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And, well, no, um, I mean seriously, man. Just, they said it wouldn't last, and here you are a whole year later. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But, um, and and I, I, actually, I'll go ahead and announce this on air. Like, um, in two months, uh, we're gonna have a little girl like going all around oh, that's here. Cool. Seriously, congratulations so, on that. Oh, you know what? Yeah, At the end you. of the show, stay online. I'm gonna shoot you a link to a book that saved my life. Taught my oh, yeah? infant, my newborn, how to sleep. Oh, dude, I was wandering around the neighborhood with that little baby thing on the front of me carrying my daughter around <laughs> trying to make her ass go to sleep. I mean, I was doing road work, man, to try to get her to fall asleep. The doing it in the putting her in the car didn't do it. Oh, yeah, I definitely have to give you this book, um, uh, this book, because this, uh, this will be my present to you for my... Uh, <laughs> What do they call that? A baby shower present. But go ahead, yeah. And, oh, okay. and again, congratulations, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. So yeah, just mm-hmm. um, just really just keeping life balanced more than anything else. Because um, yeah. But as far as like any other universes, um, I've like I've always like I've always had this uh, secondary story called a uh, cool evil. Um, I actually removed that from the life ever side a few years ago, just because like okay, I can focus on doing the video. I can focus on doing this video podcast. I can focus on illustrating and writing this one universe that I've put so much stock into. Mm-hmm. I can also do this second universe, but you know what? I can't do it all and get enough sleep at night. Like I, at least I, I always try to get at least five hours during the week at least. Mm-hmm. So, and you can actually see a picture of that on the, uh, demon art site. Um, what is it? Oh, say again. Oh okay. Oh, okay. Oh look at oh look at look at my wife like doing. This. She already posted the uh, Devin Art link in the in the chat yes, room. Yes, she did. Yes, I was uh, looking at yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. If you go through that <clears throat> site, I think I have a few um. Yeah, I think I have a few uh, pictures still on that account that have a uh, cool evil and pretty much the premise for with that was uh two alien sisters who were sent to um conquer Earth, but actually one was sent to conquer Earth. One just wants to just mess her up, just, like, mess up her old mission, and they both live in this guy's house, but, um, what was it? Like, I wrote drafts for that, like, about, yeah, about 10 years ago, like, just shortly after Street Pedal Black, but I've just never really picked back up on it. I might just change the entire concept all over again, but that was just more, that's what, Street Pedal Black was, is, uh, more action sci-fi, that one's just more comedy, more than anything else. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but I just, I just never, like, uh, really went, it would be a while, before I revisit that site, I want to revisit that story. Like I want to revisit about three years ago, but it just didn't happen. <laughs> so street well, like you got to be, a, <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to be in the right mood. And the other thing is, is you don't want to take away creative energy away. You don't want to take creative energy away from something that is working. You know, mm-hmm. you definitely don't want to screw something up. You know, what do they say? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. So I, I could see that, you know, not wanting to to divide your interest, you know, at this time. Um, tell me about, you know, you mentioned you've got a crew. You basically have a crew. And mm. um, it, is it an easy collaboration? Was it easy for you to get, 
you know, to to um, instill in yourself the trust in these other people to help you out effectively. Because some people are loners. I mean, you started out that way, but it sounds to me like you've got a really good um, creative team that you work well with. I just got to say I'm one of the luckiest people on the planet because um, just the fact that like uh, even, yeah, even like starting college, like I was just really focused on trying to get schoolwork, at least try to get acclimated to that environment and didn't do as well as I should have my first year. I'll say that I managed to pick back up and graduate cum laude in the end. But mm-hmm. um, I was just looking, I was just looking to like really make some strong bonds, like really have some brothers, people that I call brothers to, to this day now. And it's a very small group. I don't really um, <clears throat> will have like a few friends and many acquaintances. I'm just looking to have a few really good, really loyal friends who are yeah. just willing to help me because they they because they believe and they support what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I was just really happy to create um, create a platform where they can interact directly with um, Life Forever and my uh, creative and my creative pursuits. Because like we just always have because uh, the graphic it's a it's a uh, art process and comedy podcast. And I was thinking like what's one thing that we always love doing is like we're not much of club guys. We're kind of just sit around drink and just sit crack jokes on each other's guys. So like yeah, like hey, why don't we just record this there are even times like even now where we're not where we're not recording where it's like why didn't we have a microphone nearby with this this will be gold <laughs> uh and even more so like you we were talking about um we were talking about this a little bit earlier as far as um me being able being able to meet amanda and just have somebody who just uh fully supports me because there have been like i would talk to other artists and they will tell me uh, different horror stories about, um, like, I can I can think of one where it's like this one day guy came home and I guess they were just having a fire wherever it is. It just really wasn't, like, marriage was just about to end. And he came home and she was throwing his artwork just out the window, their second story sure. window. And I'm just thinking, like, oh, my God. And so I'm just very fortunate to have somebody who... Like just keeps keeps on the lookout. Like she's she's just just as uh, big in technology as I am, and just to uh, look for just different opportunities to either advertise or um, just improve um, audio or video quality, and just sure. just improve the technology in the house. You know. Mhm. Uh, hang on a second. Uh, for those of you who tune in late as a podcast, now how do you tune in late on a podcast? All right, I got to think. I got to think this through a little bit better. Uh, this is the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. And for the sake of artistic description, we are uh, talking to DeForest, who is really Paul DeForest Sisney. And, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Are you laughing because of how I said your name or because I have to throw it in there? No, uh, it's... <laughs> it's, it's it, I'll say this, like, for anybody um, doing nicknames who are just, like, that's always been like the, the funniest pet peeve with funniest pet peeve with me as far as um what is it I I remember someone did a um I'm trying to remember what the what the uh, paper was yeah Metro Spirit in Augusta Georgia this is uh back in 2007 2008 where I uh-huh. submitted my book to them and I look I look like I every the entire time I was introducing myself as the forest I was saying hi I'm the forest like this book even says right there by the forest all that stuff I uh 
get the Oracle, the first thing it does, it lists my last name more than anything else. I was like, wow, how did that happen? Yeah. Despite my best efforts, (laughs) I was like, Well, see, that's that's the thing that, I mean, (laughs) that was a learning moment for you, a teaching moment that where you were taught that, you know, the best intentions, the best laid plans, you know, uh, let's see, all through when I was growing up, most people automatically put a K instead of an H at the last the in my last name, so I would be Hayaski. And like wow. I am in no way Polish, okay? <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with Polish people. There's nothing wrong with Polish people. I'm just not one of them. You know, being half black, was... half Japanese was enough, you know. So, <laughs> uh, dude, I get it. I get it. Um, but uh, all right. I, but but also this helps people to find you who won't have the benefit of the chat room and see all the links, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you, know, you, know how, you know how people will find you. They will find you. I mean, that's why I'm not on Facebook. I don't want the – it's too easy for the police to catch up with you, you know? Uh, um, so find a way. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they generally do. But let's talk a little bit about your <laughs> podcast because, you know, you've mentioned it a couple times, and, and I can, I can kind of see the entomology of it. You start out going, well, you know, this is some funny stuff. We should probably put this together and maybe, maybe capitalize on it. But I mean, what was what was the actual story of how you started out doing your podcast? Um. Yeah, it was just a need to just um, try to add some more content to the site because, like back then, like I just had the site, just drew artwork on it. Like the rare times, I actually worked on it. Right. And um. Yeah, I just wanted to like try to make a make it more of a network, more of a destination to go to, and like who's I was thinking like who's going to go to this if I'm not even going to it that often. So I need to get much more active on this. And um, what was it? I remember this one night, and this is back when um, my wife was uh, in school for a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, she had to do she had to do an interview with uh, one of my peers. He's uh, another artist. Uh, his name's uh, Miles Davis. Um, not, not the uh, singer, but that's, that's, that's his uh, name though. Um, and he has some really great artwork. He, he's, uh, with a uh, massive burn studio. So there's a shout for him. Um, so she had to do an interview with, uh, him and I was just thinking, like, just, just think about this interview. I was just standing there, just, uh, assisting, assisting her with the camera and other, and uh, other things. Mm-hmm. And just thinking like, hmm, maybe there's some, maybe there's some type of show or just something I can do with um, video and just really trying to capitalize on YouTube. And I thought, what can I have? I didn't want to do a straight podcast where we just talk or anything like that because I really wanted to incorporate artwork into it somehow. Right. And it's really around that time just got the idea like, hey, why not? I, I'm a primarily digital artist. Let me just screen record some stuff and... Instead of, and I, I realized, um, what was it, from doing the children's, from doing the children's class, like, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself, like, doing that on a, uh, I, I guess, a near, near weekly or monthly basis, one, because I don't think I'd have the patience for it, and two, because I'm still learning a lot of this stuff myself, you know, so. Sure, sure. So I'm thinking, like, hmm, let me. I want to have fun with this. Let's make uh, let's make this primarily comedy. So let's just uh, com- let's just combine the fact that um, got all these art processes, got comedy um, 
segments that are completely unrelated to what's going on screens. And I think that actually adds some strength to the graphic as far as like you can go to it to just listen if you're not even interested in art, like, hey, here's a good segue into it. Or if you're just not interested in the comedy aspect, like, okay, here's this visual of me creating something, something that I, that I consider very special. So you can learn from it or you can just uh, sit and kind of do the whole ASMR thing, I guess, since uh, right. people are all into that nowadays. So I just feel like it lends itself to all audiences that way. And and who participates? Uh, is uh, I host it. Uh, my wife, she's the director. That's her. That's her alias on that as well. Um, okay. And everybody I listed: uh, Bobby, Heavy Hands, Deuce Five, and Proper. And uh, like I said, uh, we're going to get start uh, season three, going to production of that this weekend. We're <laughs> going to have a few uh, recording sessions, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, the first few episodes out by uh, the end of this month. Uh-huh. And and uh do you uh do you have a a count of how many people are checking you out by chance? Um on average um let me see. Let me see. I got just got some weird buzzing. Can you still hear me? Mhm. Okay. Just got some weird buzzing. Yeah. I wasn't sure can if you can hear me or not. Can um, you hear me okay? Well, yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Um I'd say on average um let me see. We've gotten about Get about maybe just when an episode goes out, we give an average about thirty people per about thirty views or so. That's the main thing that I'm really focusing on, just really advertising, especially on DeviantArt. That's been, as far as analytics goes, that's been our best. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been our best way to attract people, and uh, just really want to focus on getting a lot more subscribers. Um, I feel like as far as uh, seasons one and two. Especially season one, that's been a lot of our uh, pilot, more of our pilots, pilot season more anything else, because we've never, none, none of us ever had any type of podcast experience or just trying to host some type of show, anything right. like that. And as far as uh, me learning the technology, me learning new video techniques, and like I said, like back in the day, like when I was like doing screenshots and stuff of video on TV, stuff like that, like I had some experience, but not enough to make a full-fledged production. Right. So uh, just really decided to sit down, learn After Effects, and uh, just try to just make something that can be feasible enough for YouTube. And this season, we're just rolling out a completely new look for the graphic. Uh, we um, we actually have an audio mixer this time around. We could go. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell you stories about just uh, random nonsense that's, that we ran into with uh, audio issues and sometimes video issues and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, we're just uh, really looking forward to it this time around. Like, um, we want to do our best to attract, yeah, to attract new audiences and um, just create more content, create better content. Like the whole tagline of the graphic is contains content. So, right. um, just a great, just about uh, new new artwork, better artwork. <clears throat> just uh, nowhere to go but up from this point, you know. Well, and and when when you get ready to do a show, when you got the whole posse there, do you talk about what you're going to talk about beforehand? Is it planned out at all, or do you just wing it? Uh, we have a segment called the Faux Show that um, every now and then, like pretty much pretty much everybody shows up, and mm-hmm. uh, like we everybody we just say like, okay, what topics you you guys have? How do we want to present this? How do we want? Because the main thing we want to do more than anything else is just entertain. That's the main goal. Like we like the 
mission statement of life forever to educate, entertain, and enlighten through the means of the uh, creative and expressive arts. But as far as um, yeah, as far as the graphics concerned, we want to focus on entertaining more than anything else. Like I said, mm-hmm. we have our we have our usual um, uh, serious show where we talk about certain issues and stuff like that. But no matter what, like whether it's serious, whether it's comedy, as long as we're entertaining the people. So we usually start off by uh, just grabbing a whole bunch of topics. Sometimes I go to like weird news. Um, Bobby, he'll go for uh, technology news. Just uh, whatever it is people just want to talk about, as long as we can just twist into something that can really entertain. And we'll just like do a whole bunch of, we like to call it verbal barfing. We'll just sit there, just press record. We'll just talk for about <laughs> 20 minutes about and just ramble and whatever seems to be goal or whatever is just organic. We'll put in the before section, the before show section of the graphic. And um, you'll see that on uh, certain episodes when you look at them. Oh, excuse me. And um, so, yeah, and just from there, like eventually whenever, like, we'll, we'll look at the clock and like 30 minutes have gone by. It's just us rambling. And then the mm-hmm. I'll just be like, okay, hold on for a second. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. <laughs> and we'll just start the show Man. from there. You know what so, I just and, realized? Mm-hmm. Um, that I've been doing this show all wrong. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as I told you before we started, um, you know, the, the the essence of, you know, the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show is to present creatives in black science fiction, fantasy, horror, all kinds of genres, art, music, um, uh, movies, television shows, things like that, in a way that's not done anywhere else. I mean, if somebody, like for you, once this is done, you know, I, I can't see why you wouldn't link to it, you know, somewhere pretty prominently on your website, you know, and, and, and also drop it in Twitter uh, once it's up and on uh, YouTube tomorrow. Because for people who want to know, you know, who you are, what you, what, what you do, and and to look at how you apply your craft. I mean, a lot of people don't get to find that out about anybody else. You know, if if you're if you're interviewed on television, you're lucky if you get 12 minutes. Okay, mm-hmm. so so how how do you convey to anybody anything of substance about you as an artist, <clears throat> about all that is the forest? You know, in 12 minutes, it just can't be done. You know, the most you can do is say, hey. Uh, look here for more information, and hopefully people will catch that. Oh, by the way, where will they find your uh, your podcast? Where can people find your podcast? Uh, you can find it on um, – you can actually go to the website, uh, life-river.com, and there's a link uh, to the graphic right there. And you can also go directly to uh, youtube.com forward slash life forever official, all one word. And uh, pretty much you'll have uh, the listing of – all the episodes of the graphic, and you'll also catch uh, my new show called uh, Illustrated by the Forest, where um, I take pretty much the graphic is all my original characters and any original concepts. Illustrated by the Forest is uh, most is really just our process, lay down the music, and it features a fictional like a some copyright characters, um, pop culture icons, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, let me see. So far, I've done. Um, uh, Raven from uh, DC Comics and uh, Archer and Lana from uh, Archer. And uh, for this for this month, I'm actually going to release this on um, what is it, the week of the 12th, since it's the 30th anniversary. 
I'm going to release the um, week-long series of videos featuring the art process of the uh, Captain EO uh, artwork. So, right. Uh, okay. Y'all can check yeah. out. Um, okay. Uh, let's let's kind of pivot around to let's look ahead a little bit. You mm-hmm. know where you are today. You got all your plans. You know, you you have kind of like a, a whole, you know, a, a business lineup of where you want to go and what you want to do. Where do you think you might be, like five years from now? Let's let's flash ahead five years. And obviously, you know, you want to be successful, things like that. But in terms of accomplishments, in terms of of things that you think you should have a really really good candle on by that time, um, what what are we looking at? You know, that far down the future, or or can you even tell? Do you have do you I, I have never, a plan? Do you, you know. I always say like I always have plans, but I never like as far as like the that uh, question, I I can never give a solid answer to that because it's always it, I feel like one thing about life is just it's always interesting what happens like just next by next year. Like, right. The fact is that um like like oh, I have to balance um all the different things as far as like the graphic and stuff like that. I didn't know I would do the graphic a year before I actually did. Didn't know that um. Yeah, I didn't know I would release Republic a year before I did stuff like that. As far as the rewrites are right. concerned, it's just more the fact that, um, and and also I didn't know that I would do the Blue Ink project a year before. I I know now, but um, it's just a whole fact as far as um any plans go. It's just I just always want to just get through the big project that I have in my mind. Just let's do my best to like just start with that, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, just keep and just keep and any ideas just come up like just keep going. As far as um, being successful, the, when my what's always my major goal is like, uh, yeah, we're both IT guys, but like, what do I want to do when I wake up in the morning? Like, I want Life Forever to be a full, self-sufficient business. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. the thing that I work on as far as uh, just trying to get my business sense, like, uh, just try to get that up to par. And like, I, I and yeah, I just never, I just and like I. Of course, you want to like plan to be successful and stuff like that. But as far as like the whole five or ten years from now thing, like I like to be surprised at times. Like I feel like I've been doing a really, really good job so far. Mm-hmm. My wife just smiled at me, so that's that's a great that's the right answer, right? <laughs> well, oh man, so yeah. <laughs> well, some, some people some people have things planned out because they they feel more settled. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they kind of know where they're going, and and you know that there's a certain amount of comfort in that. Um, you know, I'm like me. I'm I'm ready and willing to have somebody give me ten, fifteen million dollars at any time. You know, I'm okay oh, with yeah. that. <laughs> I've come. I've you know, I'm I'm at peace with that. But also, you know, I I've got I have a few things that I want to do. I'm not. I'm kind of like you. I'm not sure exactly how I want to do them. I got two movies I want to make, and mm-hmm. I have uh, one, two, three, four. I have five more books to get published. So, right. um, you know, and but but the nuts and bolts and the timing and the, the, the little details of that, man, I don't, I don't know jack about that. Um, so, uh, you know, they, some people do, some people don't. I, you know, there are times when I can't even buy green bananas. Um, so, uh, I, I get, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> You just got that? 
Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, so, I'm like, Mama. Well, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess uh, just to speak more on that, it's just that um, but I think one of the best things about just having plans is just the fact that, like, I just really just got a plan. Like, I was just, I was, like, giving myself, like, a grade at the end of the year and say, mm-hmm, like, okay, mm-hmm. how that how they do in this area, how they do in this area. I'd be like, oh, this area oh, was good. awesome. This area was complete crap. I'm thinking, like, all right, so got my illustration down, but I'll have enough subscribers on YouTube or something like that. So yeah, it's just, always, yeah. It's, just always, it's just always the fact that, like, okay, I got, like, step by step, part by part. Like, as mm-hmm. long as I'm being constructive. I feel like for me, it's like as long as I'm constructive at the end of the day, and as long as I was constructed like hour by hour, because I, I mostly separate my time throughout my day after by hours. Like, okay, I'm sleeping for five. I wake up. Okay, I have two hours to work on this before I have to go to work. Then I have to spend eight hours here, then one hour in the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so, right. Uh, just as long, just as long as I'm enjoying that time, I think it's the most important part. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And and you know you you know the old joke, right? How do you make God laugh? Tell him your plans. <laughs> Yeah, his well, is better. I'll just go with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you you mentioned the part about the business and everything. Um, I I have discussed what I call the eighty twenty rule, where most entrepreneurs, most content creators, you know, who are doing stuff on their own, who don't have like a Harper Collins or a Warner Brothers behind them, you know, they spend about twenty percent of their time in in the you know in the pursuit of their creativity, and then the other eighty percent of time uh, the time is about the business of doing business. Um, when you look at where you are now in, in your creative life, does it work out about that much, that little? Is it is it more toward the creative side? Or, or you know, what, what's your estimate of, of about how much time it takes for you to do the things necessary for your business, for your creativity, that are outside of the creative, you know, the creative universe? It's really picked up a lot, I'd say, in the past uh, year and a half because um, – The business side? It, um, yeah, on the business side because uh, me, yeah. me and my wife, we like – we especially spent a lot of the past few months as far as um, researching uh, Google AdWords, um, different advertising techniques, like what's the best place to advertise for what we what we want, what we need. Um, and, yes, and – just the whole fact where I was speaking um, earlier about, like, I'm just now getting feedback because I've switched it from a hobby to something I really want to do. Like, like main thing, I, at, when I was first starting out at that point, that was uh, 2012, I just really wanted to get my uh, illustrations up to par and mm-hmm. put a lot more focus on that. And I feel like now, like, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I feel like my art is freaking amazing. So... <laughs> That seems like so. I feel like I nailed that part. Uh, well, it's like now I just need to uh, really nail getting out to people and having them keep coming back. And if they like it enough, just probably have them support just a little bit financially. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the only. Because that's really the only way. Like that's the only way the artist is going to live. Just to really support them. It, like you can either word of mouth is always great. But like as far as just a just a few cents every now and then could help as well, you know. <laughs> well, I mean that's all of our challenges as entrepreneurs. Like I said, if you don't have a, a big publisher behind you or a, a movie studio or a TV studio, what have you, behind you, you're you know the challenge is always raising your work above the background noise. You know, uh, as mm-hmm. much as 
as the internet has helped and and the kinds of digital tools you can use for you know for your creative arts for writing for what have you the, the you yeah. know how how do you get people to see you when the bar is lowered for people to get their stuff out there you know what what and what, what can you do to distinguish yourself I always think of it as a big double-edged sword, like um, all the tech, like like we've been saying, like uh, yeah, the internet's here, like we have all this technology, it's, it's accessible to everybody, which is good as far as the creative side, but as far as uh, getting the attention of millions, billions of people, <laughs> like yeah, it's just like it's just it's just really difficult to like stand out more than anything else, and that's that's our that's our mech, that's our next major hurdle. Like mm-hmm. first it was illustration, then it was uh, just getting these books um, pub- uh, published, constructed, whether it's through ebook or a physical media. And um, yeah, that's pretty much our next step as far as uh, animation, video, and then just really advertising the best we can, just to really just to, to try to discover like what we're comfortable with as far as. Um, which sites to visit and uh, just really just learning more about that process, you know? Yeah. Um, let me see. And yeah, just the fact that it's like so many people are just um, creating nowadays and it's really, it's really amazing thing to see. Like it's really, I feel like it's really tough to be bored in today's world, even though people still somehow find a way. Um, and you talk about lowering the bar. I feel like it's also, it just shifts like from low to high. Sometimes like it's low as far as like, okay, you want to get over it just to get noticed at times. Like, yeah, you can be a blip on somebody's radar, but you want to stay the constant blip, like a, like a torpedo coming at you. You got to really bring it with whatever kind of content you're really trying to put out there, you know? And the other thing that people fail to do, because a lot of, a lot of uh, content creators, even though they, they fill the role of entrepreneur, a lot of them don't have a business plan or or at least a framework of a plan just in case things go right. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we all experience the what goes wrong and we, you know, we, we try to work past whatever might go wrong. But what if all of a sudden you're presented with an, uh, an opportunity that you, that you didn't anticipate that could suddenly expose you to hundreds, thousands you know, of new people who never would have seen you otherwise, a lot of people are not prepared to take advantage of that kind of situation. So, you know, you have to plan for success and you have to plan for failure and and figure out, because in both cases, you may have to do some tap dancing to make it work. So yeah, I'll be that's, honest. Like, that's I, I feel why, like I'm... I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm slightly in that camp right now. Like, um, as far as um, us setting up a network... Yeah, like we have like a... Like pretty much Life Forever has a stable network as far as um, um, social media, our content, and what is it? Yeah, we're like I said, we're developing more of our advertising plan, and just all mm-hmm. this business stuff. Just even thinking about it just drives me crazy. All the different ideas that we've had to go through for these past few months. Um, but yeah, I feel like I, 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 there are times I actually wonder, like, hmm, like. Yeah, I want to be successful, but what really is success? Is it just the um, creative aspect? Is it the monetary aspect? And sometimes people will like but not respect what you do, you know? Like, um, and especially, and that's that's especially a hurdle for a black artist. Like, they'll see this uh, black artwork and be like, just, oh, all right, next. And just 
people will try to try to just uh, stick with what they know as far as um DC, Marvel, Warner Brothers, stuff like that. And um then they have and mainstream white characters where nothing wrong with that, but it's just like people like to people are sometimes just afraid of the unknown, you know? So it's just right. probably really trying to get people behind um yeah, just really get people behind uh my like uh yeah, I mostly uh draw, draw African American characters and I'll break into the different ethnicities like uh, every now and then, but just uh, I wonder. And it's just something I always think about. It's always like um, some of a pipe dream. Like if somebody just like handed me like um, a billion dollars, like I'll, I'll go with like how much uh, Marvel Seals is bought for, like four billion dollars. Sure. I just wonder like what should I do with that if I ever got that? I don't know if I'd have a plan for that much success. I would like to go home to my family at times, actually all the time, really. So I wonder, yeah. like, exactly how much success do I actually want? Like, you could, like, um, yeah, of course, people, like, always have dreams of, like, traveling the world and everything like that. Um, I feel like I'm more of a guy who likes just, like, to come home and just work on what I like to work on. And my yeah, priorities, think- of course, and I really like, that whole balancing act that I have to do in order just to really have my version of success, you know? Sure. I think a lot of people are like that, too. You know, uh, obviously, I would love to to live off of my what I love to do, which is to write, you know, and, 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 and produce the movies. But, um, you, know, wa- you know, walking that path from where I am today to where that, that self-sufficiency can occur is something that I struggle with all the time, you know, just, you know, trying to not necessarily make the path or walk the path or, or figure out what it is, but, but just, I mean, I know it's there, and I know if I'm persistent, it's going to happen. I don't have to worry about anything else. So, I mean, that, that works out just fine. You know, that's, that's the sort of thing that I can figure out, you know, that, that I have to be patient to do because I know I'm a good writer. Okay, mm-hmm. you know you're you're a great artist. You know, we we know that we have the skills necessary to to produce good work, to produce laudable work. You know, so uh um so when you when you look at the big picture, um you, you know, you you mentioned okay, you got you got family stuff. You got uh you got uh you got the podcast. You got a number of things to, to that you're doing. And I think that if you if you just kind of relax, cool out, and enjoy what you're doing, I think it's all going to come together the way you want it to do. But the one thing that we agreed on was persistence. And let's go back to something else mm-hmm. you mentioned. You mentioned about doing the black characters and things like that. I just um, I moderated a panel at Worldcon on Afrofuturism, and you know Worldcon mm-hmm. is where they vote on the on the Hugos and things like that. And believe it or not, one of the questions that came up, and more than, more than one person, I mean, they were nodding their heads, they wanted to understand that. They said, you know, there, there were white, whites there, and we were talking about Afrofuturism. Well, what is it? What makes uh, black um, art, black, uh, black sci-fi fantasy and horror stories different? You know, why is it, uh, why is it set apart? And, and believe it or not, one of the questions that I got from, from some of the whites there was, well, do we have to know anything different in order to understand and, and, and appreciate and enjoy 
you know, a black-themed sci-fi story or not. And and at first, I really wanted to say something caustic because that was like a ridiculous notion to me. You know, a, a good story is a good story merely because it has black characters doesn't mean that you have to have a special understanding of black culture. But then I understood mm-hmm. that they were, you know, they, they were being genuine. You know, so so perhaps for those of us who write, you know, black-themed or we produce black-themed content, maybe, you know, now now I'm looking a little bit more in the back of my mind at, at the fact that somebody would ask that question because obviously it's out there. Um, so when, when you look at what, you, you know, creating your work, have you given any thought to the fact that someone might consider it a cross-cultural experience and not just a great story with great art? You know, I never thought of that up until up until that somebody and these were genuinely these people were without I guile. Can, you know what I mean? I can understand. Yeah, I can understand like them asking that because like um, what is it? Of course, like African American culture is like just something yeah and and as far as like human history goes it's really something that's brand new right um it's, it's about 400 years yeah 400 years old at this point it's like we it's I, I was always i'm i'm always of the belief that um it's like of course we all have african ancestry but the african-american or the black person whichever you really want to to go into it, all those different labels, whatever. Right, it's, right. That's really, that's really, it's really just a its own culture, I guess. As far as it's a really driving, it's really a big driving cultural force. As far as um, was you got the billion dollar music industry that has where that's looked at the black culture as far as um inspiration, as far as like a lot of cover, like we like we pretty much drive like what's really hot, and then like people just want to like just um. Oh. Urban culture does drive, yeah, urban culture now is world culture. Mm -hmm. Remember when world culture was something else, urban culture, uh, American urban culture drives entertainment around the world in a way that it never has before. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say as far as like, uh, I'll just use uh, uh, my stories as an example, um, out as far as uh, either being a cross-cultural experience or just something brand new, I would really just label this one under something brand new because um, was I'm create like as far as the uh, world building process goes, I'm not basing it. I, I have a futuristic doomsday scenario is what I'm creating right. here. I won't present that. It's that first where this group called government wants to just take over and just use these people as lab rats. I want to present that first as far as a uh, street pal black goes. So I, I guess it really just all depends on example and just really the individual story. Now, as far as um, the people that are asking that question, I get it, but I feel like just hearing that it can really, I, I, I feel like that something like that can really get under your skin. Cause like, like why you want to know more about it. Like you also don't want to make the mistake of trying to lump like African American books or entertainment as just its own genre, you know, because like there's African American uh, love stories, there's African American action stories, there's African American, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, just different things like that. So right. So well, I, it, I mean, it like, was just it was just a weird issue because you know what, 
I I had never ever. I mean, if before I, I the guy asked me that asked that question of the panel, I, man, I have never I never would have thought of that. You know, as as a barrier. You know, as a conceptual barrier to the acceptance of, uh, of of black literature, you know, or black science fiction or black art or anything like that. Do we have to know something? Do we have to know, you know? And so it, it just struck me as odd. It's still something that I'm struggling to think about right now because, you know, the stories I wrote, they happen to have, they have to have black themes, you know, uh, you know, in, in case you don't know, it's just, I uh, I wrote a trilogy and uh, where where black folks made it to the moon before Neil Armstrong, and they did it in secret. Okay, so mm-hmm. that that's a black themed story, but then it gets reviewed as being kind of like Michael Crichton and Robert Ludlum S. So those are like white guys and you know techno thriller type things. So you know I I definitely wanted to write stories that had a broader appeal. Okay, I, I wanted yeah, more I than just black. Was... Go ahead. I'm sorry. But as far as like, yeah, them saying like it's it's like this author and this author. Like I had that, I, I experienced that as well. As far as uh, when when the uh, Street Pelt Black was first reviewed, it was called um and I, I and I like this review, but it was called uh was it Kill Bill meets V for Vendetta, which I thought was pretty good. And I liked okay, the movie, so great. I was like really happy to hear that. Right. But I feel like as far as that, it's like you just gotta make it relatable to the quote unquote mainstream. Like and yeah. how ironic is that? Since urban culture does drive entertainment Mainstream more than anything else. culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess it's just the fact that um, was it? I think one thing that people like white people or whoever it is Mexicans, anyone outside of black culture can really realize about black culture as far as the people who are participating in it is that not only are we proud of it, we're also very protective of it. So as far as um. What is it? People like buying off of us or anything like that? Like we're we're quick to pick that to uh point that out, you know? That's what that's right. what, at least that's what, I, what I've always uh, seen about it. Um, uh, what else can I say? Um, well, well yeah, I, like, I, get, yeah. I get I get the but, essence of the question, but at the same time, like you just it's like it's the fact that there's also diversity within that within urban and African American culture, which is what. I guess what a lot of people who are just trying to get introduced to it just don't realize. Like we, like we say African American studies, like as far as like certain college courses and stuff like that, but they're, they're different, definitely uh, different chapters to that, which uh, well, I guess. And, and we're, no more, we're no more a monolith at that, at, at, than white people are. Mm-hmm. You know, you got hillbillies, you got Southern crackers, you got, and they're different. <laughs> you, you have, you have white bankers, you have, you have, you know, white suburban people, you, you know, and, and the fact of the matter is no race is a monolith. No race is one thing. No, no race contains just one type of people. And, and so it gets tiresome when, when people lump, you know, black culture into this, this monolithic kind of uh, existence that, that you and I obviously know don't exist. Um, but I don't want to get on that. I don't want to get upset about that. <laughs> nah, you know, it's too late in the evening. Oh, I don't want to get agitated, you know. Um, if you were going to, if okay, you mentioned that, I think you mentioned that you teach, right? And and that you mentor the young? 
Yeah, I, I did at one point, like a, for about a five year span. Um, eventually, I, eventually, I left that church, found a new one, and uh-huh. um, I've, I've actually been, I've actually been in between churches. Uh, also, my father in law, uh, he has his own church as well. So, as far as uh, teaching, I just really just keep that. I regulate that mostly to the illustrated by the four series at this point. <laughs> sure. Um, I was going to ask you though. I mean, what was what was the best aspect about you know, working with the working with the young. Uh, just really wow. That's it's actually it's actually pretty loaded. Like, uh, just really the fact that just seeing them, eat, like, whenever a class got started, they were always eager. There were never any like tired. There were there were very rarely like uh, tired faces or anything like that. Like, of course, kids waking up at whatever it is eight o'clock, where it is on the weekend, right? Yeah, but. I, I I was I was very blessed to have a eager young group that I uh, was able to teach for a few years, and what was it? Just the fact that um, some of the more enjoyable things were just uh, actually seeing them pick up just some of the more basic lessons I would teach. Um, I would bring in just to like teach a uh, shading lessons. I would bring in like just a really simple like a blob or a shape or some type of simplistic human figure and have like a representation of a light bulb above them. Right. And I was saying like, Hey, just uh, try to draw some borders of where you think shadows will be, stuff like that. And these kids, some of these kids, and yeah, a lot of these kids were just really smart to pick up on that and just uh, seeing that in motion. It's like, uh, that's just really something that I found wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also, and one, one, and one of the major aspects as far as the class went was sometimes I would bring in stuff that you wouldn't even really consider teaching in an art class. Like uh, one of the major reviews that I got from uh, some of the other uh, ministers and counselors there were the fact that, like, yeah, and a lot of these were uh, teachers in, like, Atlanta public schools and stuff like that. Like the art, pro- the art programs will go away so they can make more time for the standardized tests or preparation, stuff like that. Right. And some and some of the kids didn't even get art, you know. And yeah. I would even bring in stuff like um, one one thing that I really loved to do with them was uh, bring in origami paper, and uh, just show them uh, different techniques like uh, how to make a paper balloon. You can you can actually blow up and do the and of course the classic crane stuff like that, and just the fact that hey, even stuff like this <clears throat> using paper and you only have to draw itself like this this in itself is an art form. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, the major slogan of uh, Life Forever is uh, move the media. And when I say media, like I'm talking about the medium of artwork as far as um, it could be pencil, sketch, uh, oil, pastel, whatever it is. And it's just the fact that the whole t- – and what I always try to instill in them and anyone else whenever I talk about that is that the whole process of creating is pretty much just taking one material and moving it – to where you need to go, like whether it's erasing, whether it's adding graphite from a pencil, put it in just this one place because it just looks better. One like certain lines can just look better, like one millimeter over. Just uh, it, it, it's uh, I I really consider a broad prospect, but it's just the fact that um that the kids were able to pick up on that as well. Just the fact that how well do you know how to how to uh, structure this particular thing that you want to make that's inside your mind. And just mm-hmm. moving that idea, and just moving that idea from the mental state to an actual physical object, 
and the uh, idea that hey, you're moving yourself, you're actually doing something. Like the I like my company's called Life Forever. It's like that's all life. That's what life is. It's constant change. You know, like we have yeah. to oh, yeah. move in order to actually make what we actually want or what we actually want to make of ourselves and just um. Well, there's yeah, no such thing as static cool. life. You know, exactly. there is no such thing as life that doesn't move, that, that that stands still, that is, you know, okay, you could say, yeah, well, a rock can be art, but a rock stands still. But, but in terms of of of, of people and, and what we accomplish and what we do in our lives, you know, nobody stands still, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you, have, you have a certain amount of, amount of uh, activity every day, and being able to capitalize on some sort of creative element, I think, is a very lucky thing that people get to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not something that everybody does. You know, not everybody can draw. Not everybody can sing. Not everyone can can write. You know, not everyone can look at the stock market and make. I say, I say all that just by choice. No. Like, I feel like everybody yeah. can do that, but it's like everybody who's listening, it's just really about do you want to learn? It's not necessarily do you want to do that kind of stuff. Do you want to learn how to do that kind of stuff? I feel like right. that's a major thing that I always try to separate. Um, whenever somebody says like, "What's talent?" Like, I wasn't, I was definitely wasn't given the talent that I have right now. Like I say, I spend a lot of time on Lynda.com looking up tutorials and uh, different stuff like that. If I could do, uh-huh. what, if, I was, if I was doing what I did in 2001, I would just stay doing that and just do the whole draw every day thing. But no, that it doesn't work that way. Like all talent. It's all. It, it's got to be learned more than anything else. Just what do you feel like learning? Well, and and people sometimes people don't realize how versatile they are. You exactly. know, they'll, they'll, like somebody will look at one of your drawings and go, "Man, I could never do that in a million years." But that's not necessarily true. I mean, they not may not have the same style that you have. They may not be able to execute as as well as you. But the tools are out there. The tools to help them learn how to do something are out there. Um, do you see and, any? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and, like, um, like even just three years ago, like, I, like I was saying, like the major what I wanted to uh, prove on first and foremost was the illustration. Like, I had no idea that I would be able to draw the way that I'm drawing now. Like, I, uh, the majority of my artwork now is done through a program called Corel Painter. And uh, this was, uh, the, major, the major difference between that and Photoshop for the for the listeners, the main difference between that and Adobe Photoshop is that Corel Painter it emulates traditional media. Like as soon as you click on it, you'll see for pencil textures or for oil paint, it's just amazing. It's amazingly crisp and it's fun. It's it's sometimes even funny like how well it copies what an actual real life texture or whatever it is going to be, and was it and i just always had my focus on photoshop throughout uh my whole artistic career and just uh moving into that and just really seeing how people and even looking at traditional media just uh looking how people painted i was i'll stand there if i see uh some artwork that i really like i'll just sit or stand there and just like be maybe three inches away from it just really looking at the little fine details it's like right. the, in order to do any of this stuff you just really got to like really see like just try to put yourself in like what what exactly did they do even when when i was talking about like um i would trace some characters back in the day um <clears throat> just um 
so yeah, just uh, just really trying to learn those techniques and uh-huh. just and finding out that I have these talents in video and everything else. Man. Well, you know, and and I I look at me, I was definitely not as good a writer when I first started writing than I am today. So even mm-hmm. even if you you manage to you know be pretty good at something, I also think that when you're a creative that the, the better ones are always a work in progress because I'm getting better oh, yeah. and better and better and I want to get better and better and better. I mean, I, I can't I can't imagine reaching, you know, and I'm, I'm doing the air quotes, perfection as a writer. How the hell can you do that? You know, I don't, I don't even see it as being possible. <laughs> I, it's just impossible, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And right, I'll say, so, I, I found myself being very jealous at, at other artists for the past 15 years. <laughs> I've been very, very jealous. Yeah. Uh, I've, and, I, and I guess one of the happiest feelings in the world from being an artist or trying to be a better illustrator is just like that feeling where you're like, huh, I'm not as jealous anymore. That's weird. Yeah. And I like you it. haven't even <laughs> noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, all right, looking back over the past, you know, however long since you since you really kind of picked this up seriously, did did you have a really bad setback or a really bad disappointment that kind of surprised you um, in, in either its intensity or, it you know, it was something that blindsided you? Uh, you know, in terms of being a creative, did you run into anything at all like that? Um... The first time I did conventions were definitely one of the bigger disappointments, and um, and yeah, it's a really big dose of learning. Um, I'd say one of my biggest, like I'll say, like one of my first really big disappointments was um, the first time I did some vending at a, a major convention, an anime convention. It was uh-huh. uh, actually a, it was actually an anime week in Atlanta. This was about yeah six years ago, I think yeah twenty ten. And that was the very first time I um, did any vending. I uh, had copies of uh, Street Pell Black, had my original characters and stuff like that. Very, very quickly learned that besides um, them, besides people uh, paying for their entry, paying for their costumes, for cosplaying or whatever it is, then they go to the dealers to find that really rare toy or item that they've been looking for. It's like, oh, it's here finally. Then right. um, they pay for their food or whatever it is, and they just spend whatever little money they have left on Artist Sally, which is which is where I was. And even then, they want to spend their money on stuff that they know already. So just uh, different types of fan <laughs> art and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my god, I was very lucky to get the few dollars I got from there. Definitely didn't break even. Definitely didn't draw a profit. And I was mm-hmm. just like, wow, there's so few people who were just really not even interested in what I was doing. Right. And uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, that was, that's that's one of the major things where it's like, wow, you just really got to really work on audience building and just really showing like, hey, what's really, yeah, it was like what's really good over here, you know? And um, Well, doesn't that go see, back to as, what I told you about persistence? I mean, the one thing that we all agreed on in every panel I was in and, and, and that almost all creators believe in is the fact that you really have to, you have to buy into the notion of persistence. Because if, if, yeah. if, you, if you have one or two bad experiences and then you quit, then you're done. There, there's no more opportunity. 
you know? Exactly. And and now look where you are. When you when you go to a convention now, <clears throat> what's your experience like today? Uh, the majority of, majority of the time, I'm uh, mostly submitting to art shows. Um, as far as conventions okay. goes, we've um, like I put I put a small hiatus on vending because um, what was it? Like past few shows, yeah, like some of the past few shows from last year just didn't go so well. I just wanted to really focus more on the. Yeah, I want to focus a little bit more on uh, the uh, art show aspect where, like, I could, like, as far as, like, vending, I could sit there all day and just wait, trying to just wait for something to happen. And, of course, to, in order to vend, you got to pay money to do that unless you just have to be really good with the organizer. Right. And with the art shows, like, uh, some of them are just, um, okay, it's just, all right, if you happen to sell, then it's like a, they do the percentage, like, 80, 20, 70, 30, wherever that is, but... My artwork is doing the work where I can go and just uh, do this other thing. Where one thing that we've started to do recently, we had our first uh, live episode of the graphic at uh, Urban Access IndyCon, and uh, that was our first live audience. And but as far as <laughs> and it's like I was talking about my uh, grading system on that, like we gave ourselves a B plus on that. We felt like we felt like it was pretty good. But like we learned a lot about ourselves as far as um how we want to entertain and um. As far as uh, the overall experience is, uh, yeah, just um, really focusing more on the art show aspect and just really just uh, figuring out what's our what's our best game plans. Like back then, in uh, 2010, it was just me writing some stories, drawing a little bit of artwork every now and then. And right. now we have this whole thing where we can start doing panels and we could start um, and uh, start participating participating in the uh, art shows that go along with these conventions and like. It's just really, I would say like right now we're just more of a transitional period, but it's the fact that we stay with it. We had hope that somebody would be entertained by this. Like we like it. We understand that, what is it? We have, we have some subscribers. We have people who are coming back, try to ask more about it. And <clears throat> whenever we do have a table set up, people do pass by. Like we make sure we have an eye-catching display. We're just getting right. better, and just the whole fact is that you just have to hold on to that hope that it's going to pay off one day. And even, actually, I take that back. You don't even want to just hold up that it's paying off, like someday in the future. Just understand that no matter what, you're getting better. You're exposing, like even just showing, just having the table, like say nobody buys, you're at least showing that you exist to sure. people. Out. You oh yeah. Just like turn this negative. It's all about the perspective. Like, okay. I have this table, like it's not selling as well, but like that's promotion time. Like in order to advertise, that's your live advertisement right there. It's just all about like well, how you want to really want to spin it. And an opportunity to network. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's kind of indispensable too because right. when people start seeing the same faces around, you know, uh, different locations time after time, different conventions, but, you know, the same faces are showing up that sometimes is also worth money in terms of marketing because that shows a little bit of longevity and it shows some, again, it shows yeah. that persistence, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. And I was, a, I actually uh, did a uh, interview with uh, Jarvis, um, what was that at OnxCon and that's going to be on a future episode of the graphic. And uh, one thing we spoke about was, um, what was it? Just the fact that the, the website, the uh, black science fiction society.com, it really is just this family where um, it's like you start to see some of the same people. Like I've been going to these different conventions around um, around Atlanta, like a uh, was it State of Black Science Fiction, OxCon, and uh, 
Urban Access Indicom, we're starting to see some of the same people like throughout the years. Like it really is a collective that exists. And it's like just showing other people like just uh, really spreading by word of mouth, like, hey, this exists. There is this, there is an audience for uh, black culture, urban culture. Like people say like there's always a separation between mainstream and what you actually know, but there is a culture out there. And yeah. it's always oh, yeah. it's always find these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, we got about uh, four minutes to go. I'm going to grab Jarvis in a couple minutes. Um, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to to convey to the audience <laughs> that we didn't cover, or uh, or or did I did I just drag you dry? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess so. One last I guess so. One last thing I can say to wrap up. I was actually funny enough, like. Um, I can't remember if I said this uh, at the beginning of the show or not. I was like this morning. I was actually thinking of different things I could say as far as uh, just uh, different things I want to cover. I was thinking of what I could say as far as anybody who wants to at least just start drawing or start sketching. Uh, I would say the best. I would say like the best things to do are like most like you have the scenario where it's like okay, I want to sketch sketch or start drawing something like. People go in there saying like, okay, I already know it's not gonna be good, but that's fine. It's just my first one, and people will immediately grab uh, any computer or loose leaf paper and just get normal number two pencil. Mm-hmm. I'll just give like a very quick drawing lesson, right quick. Like, um, first, don't get like a huge eight by eleven sheet of paper. Start with like something that's like two by three inches or something like that. Make something very very small so you take the pressure off of yourself to fill up that entire eight by eight and a half by 11. Next, uh, get a pencil. Like people always say you want to like draw lightly with that number two pencil. Instead, just get a pencil that draws light automatically. Like you always see those type of pencils say like HB, HB and uh, F and stuff like that. Get like a four H pencil and just start with mm-hmm. that. And what was it? As far as whatever concept that you have in your mind on that two and a half by three inch piece of paper, Actually, do actually draw what you want in the first little two centimeter by two centimeter imaginary square. Just draw like as small as possible. Try to get that to look as good as that looks. Like it, it's mm-hmm. kind of funny. It's kind of funny to like uh, think that that'll actually work, but you'd be amazed as far as like just drawing on a small scale, then how much it can actually translate to doing those little details. But yeah, say, you know. Uh, um... That it, even though it's counterintuitive, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, because people put so much pressure on themselves to fill up that entire paper with great detail and all that stuff. I'd say start very, literally start very, very small with those little notebooks and stuff like that. And you can even just take that with you. Just see like a leaf or something you want to practice with. Sure. Just a little drawing, sure. some, drawing some drawing pro tips. <laughs> so very I, good yeah, advice. about it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we have run out of time. I told you that two hours would go fast. Um, oh, by the way, is, <laughs> yeah, is, your wife, is your wife still online? Uh, oh, yeah, she's right here. <laughs> is, she, is she in the chat room? Uh, yes, yeah, you're in the chat room still? I, just, I, think I, I think we just woke her up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, oh, tell man. her that I just, I just dropped... <laughs> I just dropped the link to that book that's going to save your sanity in the in the chat room oh, for yeah, you guys. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, that, we see it right that here. Guy, that guy, that guy was um, our pediatrician when I had kids, 
And mm-hmm. and it's funny because you know we came back you know he, you know you you the baby's born you come back in like two weeks or whatever, and he looked at me and says you look like hell and I said well thank you very much I appreciate that. He said you're, you're not getting any sleep are you? <laughs> well yeah a, a pediatrician does. he says you're not getting any rest are you I said well no you know I try to let uh, my wife get as much rest as possible blah 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 plus I still work during the day. And he gave me a copy of that book, and I, man, I swear to God, it saved my life. Like in three or four days, our baby started sleeping almost entirely through the night. Oh yeah. Okay, so that that yeah, that is my that is my uh, uh, shower present to you guys. And again, congratulations. You got that, Amanda? Yeah. Uh, yes, you got it. So yeah, we definitely okay. appreciate that. Oh that man, I'm telling you, you know, like it's I like, said, I I was I I must have walked. Like every night, I must have walked like three or four miles trying to get my my daughter to fall asleep, and she just would not do it, man. You know. Well, we're we're probably gonna go through that as well because uh, was even at what was it twenty six weeks, like going crazy, <laughs> like <it's> more, <laughs> like was already already keeping her up at night. It's insane. All right. Well, this like, this book, even, this book will definitely we learned we learned right. that she loud noises anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Our All right. Well, loud anyway. Noises. And I want to thank you for for doing the show, man. I had a good time. I hope you did too. Plus, you 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 really gave a lot of good things for people to listen to and to think about. Um, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity. Loved it. Yeah, and and for anybody who wants to check uh, check DeForest's workout, um, it's uh, www.life-forever.com. And then there's links to all the other stuff that he does. And if Jarvis is still mm-hmm. awake. Um, hopefully he will, uh, he'll, uh, he'll get online here and, and say his good night to everybody. There he is. Jarvis? Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 so, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody for participating in the show. I had a great time listening in, uh, to the forest. And William's antics, as always, um, I want to thank DeForest's wife for reminding him of the show because uh, we talked about it uh, at the OnyxCon. Yeah, and, we did. <laughs> and then I, I, I was a little, there was a little miscommunication there, and I, it, I always try to call early in the week to to make sure, <laughs> but it was like a busy, busy week, and that kind of slipped between the cracks. And I'm, I'm just thankful that you were uh, flexible enough to come on and make it happen. Yeah, I was so I was so close to enjoying this big Corona that I bought earlier. Thank you. Hey, that hey, I got alerted. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all it's it's right. It's nice and cool for you now, and and you can have at it. Oh, yeah. But um, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. And um, I've known you for a couple of years, and I, we I think we initially met at one of the Honest Cons probably about four years ago. And um, I like really like what you're doing and the stick to that you have with your project. And, and you guys um, that are actually creating a lot of this content, uh, y'all motivate me, man. And so, uh, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it goes without saying that we appreciate like uh, having a community called, uh, what's it, Black Science Fiction, the Black Science Fiction Society, like this uh, week. <laughs> Like we equally thank you as much as like having the platform, you know. Yeah, so I, 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 
you guys are creating the content that I want to see. And I was talking to somebody um, uh, earlier this week, and they were talking about comics and stuff. And I was like, well, I probably, I really haven't purchased any any comics in, since like my twenties, really, because um, you know I kind of faded away from that stuff. Uh, and I think it was because it was the lack of um, representation that I wanted to see, you know, kind of after milestone uh, dissolved, I kind of lost interest. And so when the black cons start uh, occurring, that kind of reignited a flame. And so I actually, that's all I buy now. There are thousands of black comics and books and things that keep my attention. So I'll see the mainstream stuff and I'll watch the stuff on Netflix and stuff that's cool and see the movies on occasion, but I'm really focused in on uh, people that are making our stories and telling the way um, in in a manner where we're more equally and adequately represented. Represented, and, yeah. yeah. Keep, right. keep doing what you're doing, man, and you, you got a customer for life here. You already know that. Yeah, I appreciate that always. And um, oh, your wife again said thank you for the, for uh, keeping you on task so that you can keep making the good stuff so I can buy more. <laughs> oh yeah, she's she's over here smiling at me. So yeah, she she appreciates that. <laughs> All right, All right man. Well, congratulations! Uh, again. I, congratulations! Oh, real quick, congratulations on the baby, man. And um, I'm I'm gonna have to send something to you or drop it off. Um. Uh, there was a lady at um, the Urban Access IndyCon that I met, and she makes custom um, clothing for babies. And I, I never oh, seen yeah. that. Before. And so, oh yeah, I, we, I, oh, yeah we saw that table. Yeah. Okay, so I want to get something when we get the name, or if you have the name ahead of time, let me know. Okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Yes. In any closing remarks. No, I'm just uh, I'm just happy that we uh, we had such a great show, and that the force was so cool about it. And um, you know, as <laughs> always, uh, uh, you know, you you always uh, you always talk about how I uh, I intercede, but uh, I'm, you're gonna have to go we'll, we'll have to talk offline about that because uh, I'm just I'm just being me, you know. <laughs> and, Wait a minute, uh, the show's not about to go off, is it? Oh. No, you mean forever? No, for the night it is, yes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway, dang, thanks, everybody. Well, I, I, yeah. No, this this is it. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and uh, uh, look at all of our past shows. We have three years of shows, uh, three years of interviews. We rarely we, – we've uh, – re-interviewed certain people. I guess I was interviewed a couple times for a couple of my books. But we have three years of, of a, 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 an awesome lineup of black creative talent. So take a look at our YouTube channel and uh, continue tuning in every Friday if you can for the uh, live show and picking it up as a podcast. So on behalf of uh, all the people who make this thing great, I want to thank everybody for listening, for supporting, and we will catch up with you next Friday with a brand new show. My father, right. make some plugs real quick. Uh-huh. Uh, if you must. Oh, yeah. Just just two quick things right quick. Uh, like I said, season three of The Graphic is starting this September. 
please please check that out uh, youtube.com forward slash life forever official all in word and as a uh, far street pub black like it's uh, celebrating like i said celebrating its 15th anniversary and uh it's a there's never been a better time to uh, pick up my store. You can support it on life-forever.com. And uh, you can visit the shop um, until September 15th. Um, both stories cost $15 normally uh, individually, but right now you can get for both stories for just $15. So that's a special running, running uh, right now. So definitely check that out and the rest of my artwork at life-forever.com. And once again, I appreciate you guys for the opportunity and for everyone listening in. All right, thanks, man. Make sure to post your links on the website and any new graphic or specials that you're doing. Post that in your blog on there, and I'll make sure to shoot it out to everybody. Oh, yeah, thank you, definitely. All right, right, we're going to shut it down. Thanks, everybody, and have a good weekend. Okay, you you. too, man. Don't drink too much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye-bye. All right, bye.